couple, uh, was the first time that uh, she came home to meet my parents. Like I've shared this story with you guys before, but on the way from Memphis to Arkansas, um, I, I had this thing called MapQuest. I don't know if you know what, remember MapQuest, but it's like a list of directions you printed off. It was back before you could just ask your phone to take you wherever you want to go. And so it was sort of in between maps and uh, Siri, right? And so you couldn't really tell how long it was going to take you to get somewhere uh, unless you knew. Well, you know, Memphis to Arkansas, it's not that hard to figure out for me. Well, Crystal's never been here before. And so we're driving down Interstate 40. I don't remember if it was Forest City or Brinkley, somewhere along there. She goes, how much longer? Eh, eh, 30 minutes. We'll be there in a minute. So, okay. I mean, she's never been here, right? She has no idea. About 30 minutes, an hour goes by. She goes, how long, much longer? I was like, oh, 30 minutes or so. And this went on two or three times. I don't even remember how many times it went on. Then uh, finally, I just said, well, I'll tell you when we get there, right? I mean, because she just kept on it. I just, I couldn't help but mess with her. And, it, and I said that defines who we are because that's sort of how it's been ever since. Ah, we'll figure it out when we get there. We'll figure out where we are when we get there. Well, that's what God says to Abraham. He says, take a journey and I'll tell you when you get there. Leave everything you've ever known for a land you've never seen. Go somewhere and I will let you know when you finally get to where you're going. That's what he tells Abraham to do. In many ways, guys, that's what he tells us to do. He calls us to follow him, and he calls us to follow him one step at a time. God gives Abraham a specific word. He gives him a specific command, follow me. Go, and I'll tell you when you get there. Is it much different for Christians? Follow me, the Lord Jesus says to us, and I'll let you know step by step. We don't know. We don't know everything that's going to happen when we trust on the Lord. We don't know all the different places he's going to take us. He doesn't give us all those details. He just says, follow me. He just says, go, and we go. So this morning, you actually do have a clear, clearly defined mission from the Lord. Leave everything in this world behind and follow Him. Trust Him, depend on Him every step of the way. And He'll tell you what you need to know as you go. You're on a need-to-know basis with the Lord. He tells you what you need to know for the step you're on. He doesn't always tell you how things are going to work out. He doesn't always tell you ahead of time when trouble's coming. In fact, it seems like He almost never does. It seems like we end up in all kinds of situations that we never see coming. It's like, God, couldn't you have given me a heads up? No, you probably would have tried to dodge it. And so very often we end up walking into hard times uh, and, and went, God, you didn't tell me about this. Well, no, you didn't need to know then. All you need to know is you can depend on him. Look at verse 4. <clears throat> Uh, it says, uh, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That's his home. You see, trusting on the Lord is trusting him with all the stuff you don't know about. Trusting him to be faithful to take care of the stuff you don't know about, all the different variables. And so he trusts the Lord, and he goes where God tells him to go. He packs up his wife, and he packs up Lot, his nephew, and they head off to the Canaan land. And they get there, and God says, there you are. There's the land I'm going to give you and give your descendants. And he begins to give him more details. And as God has given him more details and restating the promise he's already given him, Abraham begins to worship the Lord. He begins to praise the Lord. I mean, guys, think about this. What an amazing amount of faith he must have had to simply follow him. We don't see any argumentation. We don't see him complaining or arguing with God. Well, where am I going? How long is it going to take to get there? None of that. He just follows the Lord. God says, go, and Abraham goes. He's like many of us. I, I don't know if y'all experienced this in your, your early Christian walk, but sometimes it seems like right when Jesus calls us, it's real easy to do whatever he tells us to do. 
I, oh, you want me to go do that? Okay. Oh, you want me to leave everything behind and follow you? Sure. But then as we get older, as we continue to walk with Him, sometimes that, that initial fire to do whatever He calls us to do begins to sort of die down a little bit. And it gets a little harder to do what He tells us to do. It gets a little harder to jump when He says jump. And it gets a little harder to go when He says go as we become more tied down with the things of this world. Like when we first come to Christ, it's like, man... Jesus has given me a home in heaven. Nothing in this world matters. But then as we walk with him, sometimes we allow the stuff in this world to steal our heart back. And we see this in Abraham's life. He ends up in the promised land, the land that God told him to go to, according to God's promise. But then look at verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It's interesting. He gets to the promised land. There's a famine in the land. And so he begins to wonder, what am I going to do to support my family? Where am I going to work? What's going to happen when all the water dries up? How am I going to feed my livestock? How, what are we going to do when there's no more grain to make bread? Those are good questions, right? There's no Kroger. There's no Walmart. Can't order Domino's. Not happening. And so what is he going to do? He's faced with a serious problem. It doesn't appear that he's going to be able to feed his family. And, but he's in the promised land. He's where God told him to be. But he doesn't see that he's in the promised land. We don't even see him talking to God at all. All we see is that he's focused on this famine. And, and so he, he decides to go to Egypt. It doesn't look like he talks to the Lord. He just decides to go there. He takes the next step, apparently, apart from God's wisdom, apart from God's direction. Guys, something about walking with the Lord in faith is it's not a one-time decision. I think sometimes, you see, Abraham starts off in great faith, doesn't he? God says, go, and he goes. What's next, though? Continuing to follow him, continuing to go where he tells you to go. Just because you've trusted on the Lord at one time in your life, that doesn't mean you're done. Like, you don't walk an aisle and you're done. No, it takes daily trusting him and following him. It's not a one-time decision. It's a lifelong commitment. And, and so, as long as we're following him, we're going to have challenges. And so Abraham's faced with this challenge. He's faced with this problem. He doesn't have any food. He doesn't know where he's going to get more. So he decides to go to Egypt. You see, when we're faced with a problem, we have one or two options. We can either go to the Lord, tell him our problem, ask him what he wants us to do, or we can come up with a solution ourselves. Run away from the problem, whatever, we'll figure out a solution. Abraham, instead of going to the Lord, instead of seeking his guidance, instead of seeking his wisdom and his provision, he decides he's going to take matters into his own hands and head off to Egypt. Now, as I look at him, I, I realize that I can relate well to Abraham. When I see a problem, I don't always necessarily go to the Lord and ask him how he wants to fix it. I very often want to just fix it. Like, when I see problems, that's, that's something I love to do is fix them. Like my, we've learned that over the years that if you know, I'm presented with a problem, if Crystal comes in with a problem and she begins to explain a problem to me, if she doesn't want me to try to help her fix that problem, she has to tell me pretty early on. Because I, I'm like, okay, so should you do this? And then should you do that? And what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And so an hour later, she's like, I, I just wanted to talk to you. I don't even know what you're talking about at this point. You know, and I've created all these other issues. And anyway, but I, I love to try and solve problems. But when we rush off to try and solve problems, you know what happens? We get ahead of God, we get outside of where he wanted us to be, and we create more problems. We create more issues instead of simply trusting him and depending on him. Abraham should have got on his face and said, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. 
I don't, I don't know what's next. You told me, come here, here I am, and there's no food. What do I do? How do I survive in the promised land, Lord, if I can't eat? What's the point of coming to the promised land if I'm going to die? He doesn't do any of that. He doesn't go to the Lord. He simply decides to take the next step without the Lord's input. So he heads off to Egypt. So look at verse 11. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. So apparently, Sarah is a rather attractive woman. She is very beautiful. And Abraham believes that the Egyptians are going to be willing to kill him just to get her. So on, on the one hand, think about this. Probably the best compliment ever, right? They're on their way to Egypt, and he looks over and he says, Baby... You're so hot. When we get there, the people would kill to have you. Like I don't. I know you're 70 and you're, be- but you're still just beautiful. You're so beautiful. These other guys would kill me just to get you. What a great compliment. The only problem is, is Abraham wants to live, and so he says, and he doesn't trust the Lord to protect him, and so he says, when we get there, we need to lie. We need to say you're my sister, so they don't kill me just to take you away from me. When we get there, you need to tell them we're not married. That you're my sister. That's going to be a problem. It's a problem because Abraham, he, he, now he goes from the famine, right? He knows the famine's the actual problem, so he's trying to come up with a solution. Now, as he's on his way to Egypt, toward what he thinks is his solution, he thinks of what may become a problem. Like, this isn't even an issue yet. But he's already worried about what may happen. He's already worried about tomorrow. He's already worried about what's going on. Here's an issue who may, that may or may not ever even take place, but he's already talking his wife into lying with him to solve a problem that doesn't even exist. Guys, worry and fear will cause you to do some really dumb things. It will cause you to start trying to get worked up and overworked and, and afraid of what might happen, and so you come up with all these solutions for things that may not ever even take place. And so you start conniving and working things out, trying to figure out how you're going to do this and then what if they do this and all that, when what you ought to do is just trust the Lord. Fear and anxiety of the unknown will keep us from following the Lord. Uh, Paul put it this way. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In other words, rather than sitting around afraid of what may happen, pray in faith that God's going to take care of you that he knows what's going to happen and that he's going to provide what you need when you get there. I, I mean, most of these things that we spend all this time and all this energy worrying about, they'll never even take place. What if we took all of that energy that we were putting into things we're worried about and put it into things that are actually in front of us? What if we started serving the Lord in the present instead of worrying about the future? Don't, don't let the, the problems of tomorrow rob you of your joy today. Those problems may not ever even happen. And you've used up all this energy and given up all this joy over something that never even took place. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 34. He said, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Like, you got enough on your plate today without dealing with tomorrow yet. Deal with tomorrow when tomorrow comes. There'll be plenty of problems to deal with tomorrow. You worry about what you got going on today. 
Because when we start trying to put all the stuff together and we start trying to figure out the future, only God knows the future. We think we know sometimes. Only God knows. But when we start trying to figure out tomorrow when we ain't even done with today, man, we get so confused. We forget what we're trying to work on. We even forget what we're worried about. Forget why we can't sleep. There has to be something I'm worried about. We just get so in the habit of it. And so Abraham, rather than depending on the Lord, he depends on himself yet again. And so look at verse 15. He creates a problem where there wasn't one. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, speaking of Sarah, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her, he dealt well with Abraham. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. So basically, Abraham sold his wife to another guy. I mean, verse 17, this is our big hero of the faith, uh, all because he was afraid. Verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Verse 18, so Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Pharaoh had got himself all worked up. I mean, not Pharaoh. Abraham had got himself all worked up and, and nearly had Pharaoh killed and had all these issues, all because he was worried about something that didn't even take place. And so he, he gets invited to leave Egypt, right? I mean, he gets uninvited to come down there. The, the thing that he thought was going to fix his original issue actually didn't fix it. And in fact, because of the issue he thought he might have, he messed everything up down there too. All because he didn't trust the Lord. All because he didn't depend on Him. And, and I've and I got to wonder, guys. you got to wonder about the ride home after something like this takes place. Like, can you imagine the look Abraham got from Sarah the whole way home? Mm-hmm. Got me to another man. You didn't even care. Like, I mean, can you imagine, like, every talk they have after that, every fight they have after that? Like, uh-huh, oh, so you're just going to sell me again? Is that what it is? You need a new donkey? Like, I mean, you can picture the way that their relationship is on the way home. This cannot work out well for him. He created all these things over something that didn't even happen. And when we don't trust the Lord, we do the same thing. When we don't give him tomorrow and say, tomorrow, Lord, you are the one who I'm going to depend on. You handle tomorrow. I'll handle what you've given me today. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. That's where we get into problems. And, and so God is faithful even when we are not. And I want you to see this in chapter 15. Skip over if you would. We're going to skip ahead a just a little bit in Abraham's life. A few things happen after this, but the, the basic gist of it is, is that Abraham continues to follow the Lord somewhat faithfully, and then he still has these missteps. And so you would think that God would be done with Abraham. But he's not done with him. Because God is faithful even when we're not. God had made this promise to Abraham, and he's going to keep it. Verse 1 of chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not. Abram, I am your shield. Your, great, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. In verse 4 he says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Then he said, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him 
as righteousness. And so there's, there's a lot going on in this section, but to summarize, God is not done with Abraham just because Abraham has made some mistakes. God has come and he's come to restore Abraham, to remind Abraham he's still with him, he's still walking with him. Don't be afraid, Abraham. I'm the one who's going to protect you. I'm the one who's going to give you your very great reward. In fact, uh, we may even say that God is his very great reward. Uh, God is coming to Abraham and he's saying, I haven't forgotten you, man. You're still waiting, I get that, but know that I haven't forgotten you. But Abraham's response is, I know you say that. And you say I'm going to have a kid, but God, I'm not getting any younger. And Eleazar of Damascus is going to be my heir because he was born in my house. He's not even a, a child of mine. He just happens to be born. He's the closest thing I have to offspring. I guess he's going to be it, huh? And God says, no. A son of your own flesh, uh, your own son is going to be your heir, Abraham. This is my promise to you. I'm going to fulfill it. And he said, go outside. Look up. You can imagine in the middle uh, of nowhere, looking up into the sky, and he says, see all them stars? Go ahead and count them for me. Oh, you can't, can you? Yeah, that's how many, how many your offspring are going to be. And Abraham's response, think about this. God tells this man, who is just continually... Uh, getting older and getting closer to the end of his life who's never had a child. He tells this man, look up at the stars. And just like you can't count the stars, that's how many of your offspring there will be. How unbelievable is this? This is an unbelievable promise. And Abraham believes God. He trusts him. And God counts it to him as righteousness. It doesn't say here that Abraham committed to do, you know, 10, 10 hours a day in prayer or that he committed to do a new study or he committed to do this or he did this or none of that. It simply says that he believed God. He simply trusted God. And because he trusted the Lord, because he depended on God, God counted it to him as righteousness. It's the same thing Paul says in Romans 4 when he's explaining and defending uh, salvation by faith alone. He says, listen, the same way that Abraham trusted the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness is true for us. It's always been about faith. It's always been about trust. It's never been about works. It's always been on God's end of things, never on our end. God's promise to Abraham wasn't dependent on Abraham. God's promise to Abraham was dependent on God. And God's, Abraham's righteousness didn't come from him. It came from God. The same is true for us. Our righteousness is not our own. It's the righteousness that God gives us through Christ. And so he's he still got questions. He, he says, Lord, are you sure? How can I know this? He's not saying, I don't believe you. He's saying, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of us have to pray that prayer? God, I, I trust you. I depend on you, but I struggle. I doubt. I question. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me grow in my faith. And so God says, okay, here's what we'll do. Set up a, a covenant ceremony. What a covenant ceremony was, when two people got ready to make a contract, a covenant, a promise from both ends, they would make a, what they called a covenant. And this covenant would, been, uh, would be unbreakable. There's nothing to break these covenants, right? It's a little more involved than going to the lawyer and having papers drawn up. But what they would do is they would go and they would take these animals and they would cut them in pieces and they put half on one side and half on the other. They would make an aisle, basically, out of dead animals, you know. And so it's a pretty graphic picture, right? And so God has Abraham do this. He says, Abraham, go get these animals, separate them out, and make this place to, for a covenant. We're going to make a covenant. And so, verse 17, Abraham goes to sleep after trying to run off the vultures and things like that. 
after it gets really dark. Verse 17, this is what we read. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, between the pieces of the animals. Y'all got this like dead animals on each side. A, a half of a, a goat on this side and the other half on this side. Like, I mean, it's a, or a half of a cow on this side, half of a cow on the other side. It's a pretty gruesome picture. And so it says that uh, a, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, representing God. Verse 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kizzites, the Kadamites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergeshites, and the Jebusites. God didn't even tell him he had to spell those names, right? I mean, uh, glory, hallelujah. But, but he, he says, I'm giving you all of this. And he says, the way that you will know it is yours is because I'm making a covenant with you. Typically on a covenant, both people would pass through. Sometimes when someone was making a, a covenant with a king, the king wouldn't pass through because he couldn't be brought down to such a low standard. But here, Abraham doesn't pass through the middle of this. He doesn't pass through the middle of these pieces. Only God passes through. Because only God is uh, going to make this covenant happen. You see, the, the reason why they made this so gruesome was it was a picture if I break this covenant, the same thing that happened to these animals is going to happen to me. It's this gruesome picture of what it would look like to break this covenant. But God doesn't ask Abram to pass through the middle of these things. He passes through them for him. And he says, I'm going to do this. Not one time does he say, Abram, this is what you have to do. He says, I will do it. You simply follow me. Trust me. Depend on me. Give me your heart. And Abram does. And the Lord uh, blesses him greatly over and over and over again. God's promise to Abraham was never dependent on Abraham's uh, performance. It was always based on God's promise. God is not going to break his promise to Abraham because God has made this promise on himself. He has, uh, he has made this covenant based on who he is. Guys, it's the same thing that we experience when we come to Christ. When Jesus is at the Last Supper and he tells his disciples, he says, I'm making a new covenant with you. You know what he says he's going to use to seal the new covenant? His own blood. He doesn't pass through animals. He doesn't say, if this covenant is broken, this is what will happen to me. No, he goes and he hangs on the cross. He says, in order for this covenant to be made, I am going to be killed. I will be uh, crucified as if I am guilty. Why? Because we are guilty. He took our penalty. He took our sin, our guilt, our shame, all the things we have done wrong, all the ways we have broken faith with God, all the ways we have broken His covenant. Jesus is punished in our place. He doesn't, he doesn't do this and say, no, act right or you're going to lose it. He doesn't say, no, act right or this covenant's going to be broken. No, because the covenant's based on who Jesus is. His promise to save us is based on who He is, not on who we are. Abraham's promise is the same way. We are promised salvation not because of who we are, but because of who Christ is. Not because we can offer something to God, but because the Son of God was killed in our place. The Son of God died in our place. We are offered salvation. We are offered forgiveness and grace and mercy because of who Christ is. Not, he doesn't say, no, if you break it, you lose it. Why? Because we've already broken it. He knew that when He got us. He knew that when He was buying us. When Jesus pays for our sins, He pays for all of them, not just a few of them. His promise for salvation that He gives to us is based on who He is. And He calls us 
to follow him and trust him just like he called Abraham. Abraham lived in a broken world, so do we. Jesus calls us to follow him just like he called Abraham. He didn't tell him all the answers up front. He didn't tell him everything he'd go through up front. He gave him, gave him a little flashlight, if you will. You know, I don't know if you've ever out at night been trying to use a flashlight. How much can you see when you use a flashlight? Not much, right? You can see right in front of you. You can see your feet. You can see enough to take the next step. If you turn it to over there, that's what you can see over there. You turn it over there, that's what you can see over there. You can only see what's right in front of you. I'm not talking about a spotlight, no cheaters, a real tiny flashlight. But, but if you use a flashlight, you can only see a little bit. You can only see enough for the next step. That's what God gives us. He gives us enough light for the next step. He doesn't tell us what 10 steps down the road is going to be. He doesn't tell us what 20 steps down the road is going to be. He tells us the next step. Be faithful where you are, and he'll get you to the next step. You just shine that little flashlight of faith you got wherever he leads you. And you trust on him and you depend on him in each step. Not worrying about tomorrow. Focused on today. If you're a believer this morning and you've been walking with him, you, I don't know, maybe you have some hard times you're going through and you're trying to figure out what the next step is. Just do the one thing that you know he's called you to do. Just follow him in that. Don't worry about what may happen if you take the, this step. He's got that. He's got tomorrow. You figure out how you can serve him best today. You stop worrying so much about how you're going to fix everything and realize he's the one who's going to do it. You simply trust him with tomorrow, depend on him and be faithful to him today. And he'll take care of the rest. Quit worrying so much about what may happen. Quit worrying so much about what may take place. Because here's the truth. We know this. Abraham, as he walked with the Lord, and as we walk with the Lord, we make missteps along the way, don't we? We all make mistakes. We all disobey. We all sin as we're trying to follow him. But he always calls us back. He says, oh, I saved you. I forgave you. I want you back with me. Get back on this path. If you're here this morning and you've walked off through disobedience and doubt, say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. And guess what he'll say? I forgive you. Come on. Lord, I need to trust you. Guess what he'll say? Come on. Whatever you're struggling with, whether it's just staying right where you are, trust in Him and follow Him. And if you haven't trusted on Him, you haven't depended on Him, He calls you this morning to do just that. Don't, don't say, well, you know, when I get everything figured out or whenever I get my life cleaned up or whenever I know everything about everything, you'll never know everything about everything. Trust Him, follow Him. He calls you to trust Him and follow Him today and experience eternal joy in Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for people like Abraham. God, people who are imperfect in so many different ways, but that you love and that you call and that you use. God, to do things that we know we can never do without you. God, things that we know we can never uh, truly uh, be able to do apart from your grace and mercy. Lord, I thank you for your love that you give us. I thank you for the grace that you give us. God, I pray that this morning that we would just give ourselves over to you. Lord, that we would depend on you in all things. God, that we would focus on you. Lord, that we wouldn't be worried about tomorrow, but that we would focus on what you've called us to do today. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand. And as you guys stand, we're going to sing. If God is speaking to your heart, would you come as we sing?